Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapters 6 and 7, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know Moses' name means drawn out? It means drawn out or taken out. So Pharaoh's daughter took him away, took him out, and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds. Remember Moses said, Lord, I stutter. You see, that was Moses' estimation of himself. But according to Stephen, Moses was a charismatic leader and a great orator, and he was very smart and very eloquent because he was trained in Egypt. Notice that. Mighty in words and deeds. Now, in verse 23, when he was 40 years old, God fast forwards 40 years, it came into his heart to visit his brother and the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defeated and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they didn't get it. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away and said, Who made you the ruler and the judge over us? See, they were rejecting the deliverer. You want to kill me as you did the Egyptians yesterday? And then at this same, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed, Notice that might seem like a short statement there, but for Moses it wasn't. We're talking about 40 years that had passed, and he was 40 years on the backside of the desert in the wilderness with sheep. You know what it's like to be in 40 years with sheep? Pray for me. Uh, When he had 40 years had passed, yeah, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. And when Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and he dared not look. And then the Lord said to him, take your sandals off your feet for this place where you stand is what saints? Holy ground. I've surely seen the oppression of my people, God says, who are in Egypt. And I have heard their groanings and have come down to deliver them. And now come And I will send you to Egypt. And then Moses, whom they rejected. You see, things are heating up in verse 35. The Moses, Moses, whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge, is the one who God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown signs and wonders and signs in the the land of Egypt. And in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. 
Stop right there. Give me your attention. Stephen is making the point and things are heating up. Listen, the patriarchs, the 12 tribes were envious of Joseph. You know the story. And they sold him for 20 pieces of silver and they left him for dead. But God was with him. Stephen says, our fathers rejected Joseph the first time and then accepted him the second time. And isn't that in parallel with Jesus? The Jewish people have rejected him the first time. But when they look upon him, Zechariah says, whom they have pierced, they will mourn and they will accept him the second time. Now, we, need to do, we do need to be careful that we don't stretch too much in the typology of Joseph and Jesus, although we can clearly see that there are some parallels between Joseph and Jesus. Jesus was rejected by his brothers, just like Joseph. Jesus was sold for, for, for pieces of silver, just like Joseph. Jesus was punished for sins he didn't commit, just like Joseph. Jesus was accused wrongfully, just like Joseph accused of defiling Potiphar's wife. Jesus suffered from being wrongfully accused, just like Joseph. And Stephen is saying, listen, our own fathers rejected Joseph. They rejected Moses, the deliverer that God sent to bring them out of bondage. You see, Stephen says, you guys are doing the same thing now with the greatest of all deliverers, Jesus. In other words, you guys are guilty. Stephen is saying he's laying it on thick about now. He says you guys are guilty of what you've always been guilty of, and that is rejecting God's messenger. Well, you think that's ugly. It gets even worse. Look at verse 36. Notice that this, in verse 37, this is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, him you shall hear. This is he, Moses, who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt saying to Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out in the land, out to the land of Egypt, we don't even know what's happened to him. And they made a calf in those days, Exodus 32, read it in your own time. How sad. They offered sacrifices to the idol, rejoiced in the works of their own hands. And then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven. The host of heaven, that's astrology. They were worshiping the sun, the moon, the stars astrology worship the host of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness O house of israel you also took up the tabernacle of Molech. they were offering babies on this god's hands and the star of your god remphan images which you made to worship and i will carry you away beyond Our fathers, in verse 44, had the tabernacle of wilderness in the wilderness, as he promised, or tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it, in turn also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David. 
who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High God does not dwell in temples made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? Then see, Stephen has systematically dismantled their accusations. Number one, remember I told you that they accused him of speaking against Moses, speaking against the law, and speaking against the temple. And he says, oh, really? He says, our fathers not only spoke against Moses, but they didn't see Joseph as a deliverer. They didn't see Moses as a deliverer. And as a matter of fact, they've rejected every deliverer and every prophet that God sent. Not only that, when you finally got the law, you didn't obey it. And not only did you not obey the law, but you started to worship idols. And then Stephen says, listen, you guys think this house, this temple is sacred? Give me a break. Don't you realize that God doesn't dwell in buildings made with hands? And they're probably pulling out their hair about now. He's laying it on thick. And guess what? He said all that to say this in verse 51. Notice Stephen said in verse 51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your father not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and the murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and you have not kept it. Now, listen, give me your attention. Stephen's face, remember, is shining like an angel. And he's sitting there shining like an angel, and he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart and ears. He says, you guys are doing the same thing that your fathers did. Now, remember, listen, Saul, Paul, is standing there in the midst of the Sanhedrin. And Saul, as you, Paul, as you read through his writings, you can see that Saul steals Stephen's sermon stuff. (laughs) How you know? Because in Romans chapter 2, Paul talks about the real circumcision is a circumcision. See, Paul was listening to Stephen. God's word was stirring. He never forgot it. And he writes, the real circumcision in Romans 2 is the circumcision of the heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, Paul talks about the glory that was on Moses' face, and it was a fading glory. You see, as you read through Paul's epistles, you see all these little snippets of Stephen's sermon. And then notice in verse 54, when they heard these things, See, I told y'all we're going to get it done. Thank you, Jesus. When they heard these things in verse 54, y'all still with me? Say amen. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and he blurted out, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. 
And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Hussein, Saul, see? And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Hint, hint, sound familiar? And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, listen, before you close your Bibles, notice when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. You're taking notes in your margin. You could write this. It literally means cut to the heart. Literally means to be sawn, to be sawn. Man, this was an awfully powerful sermon, a good sermon when you're sawn. I mean, would to God I preach a sermon and all of you guys are like laying in twos. I don't know, maybe that'd be gross, huh? But their hearts were cut. And they were cut to the heart. And the Bible says that they gnashed their teeth. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) They gnashed their teeth. Probably, you know, the Bible says in hell, there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand this? uh, Stephen's sermon was so awesome. It was so powerful. And they were cut to the heart and convicted so much so that when they heard it, they just started... I mean, you know you mad when you start going, wives, you know how you do with your husband. I mean, they were like, and they ran upon him and they grabbed him and they wouldn't repent and they wouldn't soften their hearts. And so they're gnashing their teeth. But Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit. And and, and saints, I got to tell you, Stephen's full of the Holy Spirit. At this point, Stephen is God's mouthpiece. He didn't make this sermon up. He didn't write it. The Holy Spirit puts it in his mouth to say, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart, and, and it cut them to the heart. And then he looked up, the Bible says, and I'm assuming that he looked up through the ceiling because it doesn't say they were outside. So he looked up and he saw Jesus Christ standing to receive him. He saw the glory of God. That's awesome. That is awesome. And you want to note that it's after this scene. Now watch this. It's after this scene that Saul goes on a crusade to kill Christians because of the witness of Stephen. See, Saul heard this. Paul, Saul heard this and his heart was stirred. And as a matter of fact, on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, it was God whose voice came from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul, listen, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. What's a goad? It's a long stick with a point on it that they would use to move their ox forward. And when the ox didn't want to move and he was being stubborn, he would kick against the point and it would hurt his own foot. And God is saying, Saul, listen, you're hurting yourself. Why are you persecuting me? You're hurting yourself. You see, Saul heard this sermon from Stephen. And it stirred his heart so much that he went on a rampage against Christians. Our brothers and sisters, might I add. And God says, Saul, you're kicking against the goats. Saul, you are kicking against your convictions. He was stirred up in the spirit after this witness, which might I add, is a very, very natural thing. When you preach the gospel to your family, to your friends, it is very natural for them to get mad at you. 
it, oh, they get mad, they even get violent. And that's very, very natural. As a matter of fact, when you're sharing the gospel with someone, if they don't get upset with you, if they're not angry with you, then you should be concerned. Be very concerned. You know what I'm saying? Be very concerned. See, the person who just stands there, I've witnessed to people before, and I've talked to people and I'm telling them about Jesus. I pour my heart out about the Lord. And they stand there and they go, oh, well, that's nice. I'm glad this church thing and Jesus thing is working for you. And you do seem a lot happier. I mean, that's nice. You see, to that person, be concerned, be very concerned. But to the person who says, get, you better get away from me, man. I'll go upside your head. Man, don't make me, I don't want to hear it no more. Don't tell me about Jesus anymore. Listen, that's the person that's closest to salvation. You know, somebody once said it like this. They said, if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that howls the loudest is the one that got hit. You understand? Amen? You see, oh, don't you preach to me anymore. Oh, listen, that's the one that's the closest to salvation. And so they stoned Stephen, and while they were stoning him, he was calling out to God, Lord, receive my spirit. He knelt down under the weight of the stones, hitting his head because stoning was painful. But might I add, is it possible that he didn't even feel the, the stones? Isn't it possible? You know, I really believe where there is a martyr's death, there's martyr's grace. And it's very possible that Stephen didn't even feel the stoning. He just knelt down. It's very possible he just knelt down and he prayed. He cried out with a loud voice, Lord, don't charge them with this, with this sin. Jesus said the same thing in Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when Stephen finished speaking, he fell asleep. This, my friend, is important. Because Christians don't die. Christians go to sleep. Christians move. We move from earth to heaven. We, you know, I, when we do funerals, and I do funerals, I never say, oh, well, I'm so sorry for the dearly departed who has died. If they're a Christian, Christians don't die. You know, that term began to be adopted in the church. Why? Because for the Christian, we don't die and we don't even refer to it that way because for the Christian, there's this thing called the great getting up morning. You know what I'm talking about? Say amen. The great getting up morning is the morning that we all as believers are going to get up in resurrection, new life in the spirit. Therefore, Christians, we don't die. We go to sleep. We don't die. We move. We don't die, we just change addresses. Hey, think about it like this. Everybody's going to change address. Some folks going to change address here and go there. Some folks going to change address here and what? Go there. But you're going somewhere. We all someday are going to leave this earth. Every single one of us will leave the earth someday. This is earth. It's the earth. It's not heaven, it's the earth. And although it's the earth, listen, God has blessed us. Saints, let me tell you something as I kind of wind down here. God has blessed us. God has blessed you. Say amen if you're blessed, would you? I'm blessed. God, you know, even though this is earth, and I'm pondering this yesterday as I'm sitting, even though this is earth, we have a taste of heaven. Why? Because we have joy, because we have peace, 
because we have love, because we have family and fellowship, we have a taste of heaven. We're we're blessed. And even if I, even if there were no hope of heaven, let's not this close and understand what I'm saying. Even if there was no hope of heaven after this life, although I know there is, but even if there weren't, saints, I would still be a Christian. I would still be a Christian. You know why? Because I'm blessed. I'm blessed with a beautiful, awesome wife. Making points. I might give her the CD from this one. (laughs) I'm blessed with an awesome wife. Fellas, say amen if you got a wife. Good. Wife's like, you better say amen. (laughs) Better say it loud, too. I'm blessed with an awesome wife. You're blessed. We're we're blessed. We've got joy. We've got fellowship. We've got wonderful families. We have hope. We have peace. See, this earth is just an appetizer. Heaven is is the main course. You ever go to a restaurant and they try to serve you tomatoes and cheese for the appetizer? I'm like, get that away from me. Give me the main course. I want the real deal, baby. Just bring me the food. I want the main course. We'll see that this earth is kind of like the appetizer, if you will. But heaven is the main course. In heaven, listen, there's no sin. Listen, there's no suffering. There's no sorrow. There's no sickness. There's no death. There's no curse. And no wonder Stephen could say, Lord, receive my spirit. You know, Stephen didn't say, stop it, you guys. You better stop it. You better stop it. He didn't say, oh, I got to, the Bible doesn't say he was running around, which is probably what I would have been doing. I'd have been trying to dodge them rocks. I'd be like, whoo, oh, oh, yeah, you missed me, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, you missed me there, you missed me, yeah, yeah, you know, that's what I would have been doing, but Stephen didn't do that. Why? Because he knew that this earth is just an appetizer. He knew the main course, and that's why he said, Lord Receive my spirit. Saints, listen close. This earth is not heaven. Someday, we're going to be in heaven with Jesus. Amen, saints? I don't know about you, but I can't wait. I can't wait. In heaven with Jesus, Lord, receive my spirit. Well, can I take three minutes? I want to read you. I think, probably, and I want you to listen very, very attentively, very quietly. I want you to listen to this story. This is my favorite story. Favorite story. And it's called The Fork. Listen. There was a woman who had been diagnosed with cancer and had been given three months to live. Her doctor told her to start making preparations to die, something we all should be doing all the time. And so she contacted the pastor and had him come to her house to discuss certain aspects of her final wishes. She told him which songs she wanted sung at the service, what scriptures she would like read, and what she wanted to be wearing. The woman also told her pastor that she wanted to be buried with her favorite Bible. Everything was in order, and the pastor was preparing to leave when the woman suddenly remembered something very important. There's one more thing, she said excitedly. Well, what's that, the pastor said. This is very important. The woman continued, I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. Well, the pastor stood looking at the woman, not knowing quite what to say. That shocks you, doesn't it? The woman said. 
Well, to be honest, I'm puzzled by the request, said the pastor. The woman explained, in all of my years of attending church socials and functions where food was involved, and let's be honest, food is an important part of church event, my favorite part was when whoever was clearing away the dishes of the main course would lean over and say, keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew that something better was coming. When they told me to keep my fork, I knew that something great was about to be given to me. It wasn't jello or pudding. It was cake or a pie, something with some substance. So I just want people to see me there in the casket with a fork in my hand, and I want them to wonder, what's with the fork? And then I want you to tell them, Pastor, something better is coming, so keep your fork too. Well, the pastor's eyes were welled up with tears of joy as he hugged the woman goodbye. He knew this would be the last time he would see her before her death. But he also knew that the woman had a better grasp of heaven than he did. She knew that something better was coming. Well, at the funeral, people were walking by the woman's casket, and they saw their, this pretty dress she was wearing and her favorite Bible and the fork in her right hand. And over and over, the pastor heard the question, what's with the fork? And over and over, he smiled. During his message, the pastor told the people of the conversation he had with the woman shortly before she died. He also told them about the fork and what it symbolized to her. The pastor told the people how he could not stop thinking about the fork and told them that they probably would not be able to stop thinking about it either. And he was right. And the next time you reach down for your fork, let it remind you oh so gently that there's something better coming. Hmm. Me? I got my fork. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.